Welcome to the Flyover Ministry Podcast, a practical youth ministry podcast for small church leaders by small church leaders. We are grateful that you have joined us for our journey through ministry-related topics that we hope help equip and encourage you as you serve Jesus wherever you are. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Jordan. This is Flyover Ministry. We're working our way through uh, studying the Bible itself, uh, not just doing scriptural passages, but we are continuing our series on uh, basically how we wound up having the book that we have, that we read and receive God's grace. And we've talked about uh, already how the Bible is assembled. We've talked last week about manuscripts and scribes and the Dead Sea Scrolls, and we're going to talk especially today not so much how the Bible was written, but the contents in the Bible. How can we know that we can trust the Bible? Yeah, and I'm off script already as we've Mm. just read the introductory line. (laughs) Uh, So when we ask the question, how can we trust the Bible, Um, my first answer is we are given multiple reasons for trusting it uh we're given reasons to trust it spiritually in the sense that god himself we we know that god's word proclaims that god cannot lie and we know that god's word proclaims that it is the word of god and so if this is the word of god and god cannot lie what we have must be true and i understand the whole circular reasoning that someone could say with that but the point still stands that God's word proclaims itself to be inspired by God. And if God cannot tell a lie, then it must be true. So spiritually, we would say, this is how I can trust God's word. Um, Mm -hmm. Another thing that we would say, kind of what we talked about just last week, was historically. Um, And we looked, we say, does this match history? And we see uh, time and time again, like this is trustworthy as far as tracing things go and, and the evidence that we have for it. Um, and, and this kind of goes hand in hand, but I, I think that it's a different lens to see the same thing with uh, archaeologically too. Um, so for example, we see the Bible making claims about history and we see time and time again where people were thinking, no, that's not real. That never happened. And then as archaeological studies advance, we find new things that reaffirm things that the Bible has always said. Now, there's there's countless examples of this. For example, uh, um, people that were in power, and they're like, there's no evidence of this. Then all of a sudden they find this seal that was like, this king who ruled in this country is like, oh, well, that's actually what this says. Or this town being in a certain place. They're like, right. nope, no evidence of that. Then all of a sudden they make this discovery oh, there's this evidence of that, right? Uh, Most recently, to my knowledge, was, um, I think this might have been last year, where the curse tablet was found. Uh, So it was like this piece, little piece of lead the size of a postage stamp that had been folded on itself. And in it, it, the timing of it was uh, around the time of, um, let's see, what it would have been, maybe Joshua going when he was making his covenant with all the people and, mm-hmm. and it was called the curse tablet because 
it's basically cursed, cursed, cursed is anyone who like breaks their promise, which was kind of what they did. And then they stick that in the stones of the altar as like their declaration before God. And the significance of this was they are, this tablet uses the name of God where in written Hebrew, when archaeologists and scientists have said there was no written Hebrew at this point, and yet here it is. And so time and time again, we see scripture f- being fulfilled and being proven true over and over and over, uh, which is a little bit unlike, I use a little there tongue in cheek uh, with the Book of Mormon, if you remember some of the things that we talked about um, mm. from that series. So those are three things that are, are really significant as we're asking yourself, can we trust the Bible? Yeah. I think when you talk about archaeology as well, what comes immediately to mind as well for me was when uh, archaeology unearthed uh, and, and affirmed what the Bible had said about a group of people called the Hittites. Up to that point, people didn't actually believe that this group of people existed, but uh, they found evidence and the Bible said there's uh, this group that lived in this area and they were the Hittites and everybody just said, no, they didn't exist. That's just the Bible's wrong. And then they found, guess what? We found the Hittites. That's exactly where the Bible uh, said that they would be. Uh, when we f- dig up something from the dirt, we want to just be really clear here as well that archaeology aligns with what scripture says. It doesn't, uh, the biblical truth and the contents of scripture is not dependent on archaeological proof, but it is great to be able to see archaeologists using the Bible to be able to find uh, as a reference what exactly it is that they are digging up. But uh, as you take a look at this, I I am struck by the fact that the Bible is a, a book that is unlike any other in the sense that you use self-evidencing qualities where you can use scripture to study scripture. Uh, Something that I do with my students when we start talking about this uh, is if you have a library handy and you can get some permission from the librarians, uh, you can basically send your kids out into the shelves and say, I want you to go grab whatever two books you want to, doesn't matter what topic, doesn't matter what book it is, and you'll have the students run back with those huge, big, hulking dictionary encyclopedia books, and you'll have kids go into the, oh, how do I put this, the beach trash novels, where it's like, oh, and look at this, and and you'll find, I mean, everything from Dr. Seuss to, you know, uh, theories of relativity and other scientific inquiries, and uh, you'll be able to have them and say, all right, open up to this page, and and this second paragraph and and just read off a part of this and go to this other book that you found and read off a part of that book. And, uh, you know, across genres, across uh, focus, across age groups, the books that they will naturally pick do not align with each other. But here you're able to then go and point to say, here's something that the book of Hosea says, and here's how this is actually helping us study this part from the New Testament. And here's what uh, happened with King David in uh, Psalm 23 and in Psalm 22, where you see the fulfillment of this being carried out centuries later by the man named Jesus who is on the cross, where Jesus says that I am the good shepherd. And when he's on the cross, when he says, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is calling back to what David said, you know, centuries before. So you have the self-reference that you can use in scripture where 
when you have questions, you can approach scripture and you should approach scripture with your questions. And if you leave with questions, that's fine. But to know that if, if parts of the Bible don't make sense, the answer is to not leave and say, I'm confused and I'll never understand. The answer is to keep studying scripture, which points us again to the reminder that we really need to be people who are teaching our people how to study the Bible on their own, to be walking with them through that spiritual development as they are the people of God. So we're taking a look here a little bit about the unique nature of the Bible. And I want to highlight here, first off, is that as we look at scripture, it is written over quite a period of time. Like it's written uh, as best as we can know and as best as uh, biblical scholars have been able to find out. Um, it is written over a period of 1500 years which, by the way, mathematically boils down to about 40 generations worth of people. So the fact that you can reference scripture on other scripture across generations speaks to the fact that these are not just ordinary authors. These are people who are writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, um, I suppose, guiding the pen as they write. Um, is that a fair way to say that? I, I'm... I'm well, trying to avoid. I think when we say like from Second Timothy, all scripture is God breathed. It's kind of more like God using the personalities and the styles and the people mm. in their own way, but to accomplish the message that He's inspired them. So I don't know if I'd say like moving the pen as much, but like it's definitely inspired, and the content is from God. Um, and I, I just want to highlight too, like you said, forty generations. Uh, just think about the phrase right now of, okay, boomer, right? <laughs> How many generations is that? And, and we have this disconnect and yet 40 generations and there's mm. unity. That is crazy. Right. And it's from every walk of life too, is, is what you'll start to think about. So think about the authors of the Bible and what they did. Um, put together a, a list here you've got kings, where you got people like David. Uh, you have a shepherd, also like David, right, as he writes the Psalms. Uh, you've got prime ministers, political leaders, uh, rabbis, tax collector, and the person Matthew. There you go. Uh, you've got Peter, the fisherman. Uh, you've got generals. You've got doctors in Luke. Um, the cupbearer was one that, um, I'm trying to remember who exactly that was. Nehemiah. Oh, Nehemiah. That was Nehemiah. He was the yep. cupbearer. And the fig pincher. Yeah. And the what? Fig pincher. I, Isn't it like Amos? He was a fig pincher. I don't... Okay. I have, I'll have. i admit I haven't read Amos for a while. but. Yeah, I think so. What do oh, you do oh. for a living? Oh, I pinch <laughs> figs. Oh, that's Here's... honorable work. <laughs> What were you going to say? Sorry. Well, I, yeah, um, I, I'm just trying to look it up. He's Tekoa or from Tekoa. Uh, well, as you look it up here, I'm, yeah. I'm just thinking about the different people who wrote yeah, yeah, yeah. in, so in all he, sorts of situations you got at peacetime at war while they're on, while they're being exiled. You're thinking about Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, while they're traveling You've got people who are in prison, like Paul. They're in a palace, like, again, David. 
Uh, you've got Paul in a dungeon in the wilderness where Moses is traveling around and writing. Um, you've got people in all sorts of different moods from being joyful in the Lord to the despair that you'll read in Ecclesiastes um, and, and Lamentations across uh, three different languages on three continents with one story to say. So you've got Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic uh, written on Africa, uh, Asia, and Southeastern Europe. I had to do the quick, like, it's not Southwestern, Southeastern Europe. But... So for those who are very interested, um, Amos 7, 14 and 15, or 14. <laughs> Uh, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore trees. Or that's a different translation I just read, but it was figs. And uh, yes, I also took care of the sycamore fig trees. And I think there might be some, I don't remember translation, uh, but there might be one that says pincher. Let me see if I can find. All right. So I'm going to add. This is great. This is exciting. Yeah. Live podcasting, folks. Uh, I'm going to add gardener to that list. I mean, that's, I mean, horticulturalist. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, interesting. I'm not spend much time on that. But anyways, yep, big, big person. And it's written in all sorts of genres. You think about uh, the wisdom literature and the poetry of the Psalms and uh, the Proverbs and the historical documents and the prophecy. And why is the Bible written in so many different genres? Well, I think it's written in so many different genres because it is ultimately crossing not just languages and time, but it's crossing all different types of literature to say the same message to people with different interests and in different walks of life to be able to point us again to the saving work that Jesus accomplishes for us on the cross. Again, wanted to remind our listeners just on how many manuscripts we have, not just how many years it's written over, but again, the 23,700 plus manuscripts we have of the Bible and just the historical criticism that the Bible is able to uh, endure through and to validate its own message where, you know, you have all sorts of questions and even throughout its history, people would call into question, well, did Paul really actually write this? And I don't know if this is actually entirely historically accurate based on what we're seeing and people are trying to um even just jeopardize even if the history the historicity is that a word mm-hmm. even if it's historically accurate how about that even if it's historically accurate they would question the message of the gospel and try and jeopardize the scripture in that way and as people who base our entire lives on what god's word says you know it is important for us to know that this is what God's word says. This is why it's important. And this is why we can know for a fact that when we say this is what the Bible says, there's actually some weight behind that. Yeah. And I, I would usher a caution here too, um, hmm. from scripture itself. There's a number of t- places it shows up, but I think of like uh, the story of the rich man and Lazarus and uh, the rich man dies and does not go to abram's bosom like lazarus does which is you know referring to heaven and hell here and he wants to come back to warn his family and to warn his loved ones that this is real and his answer that he receives is they have moses and the prophets and if they won't believe moses and the prophets they're not going to believe anything else and i think too of of christ on the cross even on the cross as he is in the work of paying for our sin 
of bringing us salvation. There are people who are saying to him, save yourself and come down from there. Prove yourself, then we'll believe. To undo the very thing that he was sent to do. And would they have believed? No. I don't think so. I mean, at that point, there wouldn't have been anything to believe because then Jesus would have gone against the will of his father. But um, mm. all that to say is that scripture is sufficient. And right. in this page, we have what we need. And the question to you and to the people that you're working with is, will you believe? You right. know, you might want more, but God has ordained that this is enough. Will you believe? Right. And, and even the signs and miracles of Jesus in his ministry, where they uh, confirm the work that he has done. Surely you are one who is sent by from God because... No one could do the things you do if God weren't working through you. That's Nicodemus, a Pharisee, telling Jesus that, right? And yet you still have Jesus proclaiming woe to these cities where he says, if the works that were accomplished in you were done in places like Sodom and Gomorrah, they would still be around today because they would have believed. And even in spite of all of the works of Jesus Christ himself, they refused to believe. They didn't believe it because he's the son of a carpenter. I don't know if that's necessarily they would they would view him as being a, a rebel. They would view him as being uh, blasphemous for claiming to be the Messiah. Like, who do you think you are? Like, well, this is who I am, and you know, to to see that unbelief still persists really speaks to the power of our spiritual enemy and the power and influence of sin that continues to reside on people's hearts. And therein you can see why they wanted to kill him. Because you have the religious leaders of the day who are trying to live according to the law perfectly, being told that um, they're worse than Sodom and Gomorrah, which I'm right. sure felt Oof. really good to them. <laughs> what did you, you hear about today from Jesus? You will never believe it. <laughs> yeah, that one had uh, to have burned. Oh, oh. Uh. Well, yeah, that too, but... <laughs> All right. Oh, the unintentionals back. Textual criticism would more than suggest that the Bible that we have in our hands right now is reliable and accurate. And I think, you know, just how, again, how accessible the Bible is, not only physical copies, but digitally as well. How many of us have uh, the Bible on our phones that we can just swipe and we can change versions and even languages on? And just how incredible of a privilege and gift that is for us to consider. Um, wanted to point again, I, I know I've talked about this book before, but I really do think that this is a, this would just be a tremendous book to have on hand for you as a ministry. Uh, the Visual Theology Guide to the Bible. I'll, I'll put a link to the Amazon uh, page for this book or, you know, a different, maybe a different book provider if you're not one for Amazon, but uh, the Bible, what we have, is sufficient for what we need regarding salvation, faith, and obedience. The Bible is clear to those who read it with dependence on God and submission to his will. And I think that point speaks to the fact that you can read the Bible and still miss the message that it contains. It's entirely possible to just read the Bible and miss Jesus entirely. And that's a little scary so if you are truly seeking the truth, if you truly want to understand what God is telling you, if you read the Bible with dependence, right, it speaks to the fact that Jesus invites us to, um, uh, to seek the truth. 
if you do seek the truth, that he is uh, one who was not far away, that he is not one who is trying to hide himself. He says, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and answers the door, I'll come in. You know, the, the Bible is um, important and is sufficient for what we need. Uh, we also recognize it as being inspired and authoritative and necessary for not just salvation, but for spiritual life as well. So we're talking about uh, the big theological terms of justification made right with God uh, because of what Jesus has done. And then the new life that we have, not just eternal life, but the life that we live now working towards spiritual maturity in the Holy Spirit uh, as he continues to sanctify us and draw us closer to Jesus as we uh, grow in our relationship with him. That is dependent as well on growing by, by and through reading God's word. Yeah, so... That wraps up kind of our main thrust on the Bible itself. And next week, we are going to look into how do we handle as believers the Apocrypha. So, mm -hmm. could be dicey. <laughs> could so, be. we hope that you turn in next time. And until then, may you go in peace. Thanks for listening to Flyover Ministry. You can find, follow, and give feedback on our Instagram and Facebook pages at Flyover Ministry. You can also get in contact with us on our Gmail account, flyoverministrypodcast at gmail.com. You can find other episodes that we've recorded on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, and please feel free to share them with a friend. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.